Salutations. This is the Untitled Josh Cast, episode number six. My name is Josh Gershman. I am joined, as always, by my co host and co Josh, Josh Hammond. Hello, everyone. This is our podcast where we discuss what's been going on in our lives and try to have a little bit of fun while doing it. To interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at JoshCastPod. If you like what you hear and what we're doing, you can go to patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast to support the show at any level you're comfortable with, to get all kinds of benefits from exclusive episodes to early ad-free access and more. On our last episode, we did something very fun. We took the We're Not Really Strangers game test thing. It was a lot of fun. I hope people have gotten a lot of enjoyment about us uh, deep de- diving deep into our innermost recesses to reveal our secrets to one another. I don't know that I would have used the word fun, but it was <laughs> it was very it was an experience. Let's call it an experience. It was an experience. Um shout out to our producer Ryland for putting it all together. That was not a not a small amount of work, but it was excellent work. On our next episode, we are going to be discussing uh, facts and trivia nobody asked for. So if you're listening to this, uh, you clearly didn't ask for this. I think that's kind of the whole point. Um, but we're going to do it anyway. It's going to be fun little, fun little nuggets, fun little things that um, you're going to listen to this episode, the next episode, and you're going to be like, why the hell are you two telling me this? And then that's, that's the whole point of the episode. I don't know. I feel like anybody that's ever met me, it's basically every conversation I've ever had. <laughs> Fair enough. So what we're doing on today's episode is we are going to rank our top five baseball movies. Now, if you joined us for our top five music movies, uh, you'll know we had uh, A, some trouble, uh, and B, a lot of crossover. Um, I suspect that this list will um, this list will do much of the same. Uh, I don't know about you, Josh, but I have nine movies here that deserve ranking I, I have a top five to be clear i have a five but like uh, I, here's here's how i did it i basically started writing down all the movies that i like about baseball so there was a quite a lot of them and then it was like the democratic national committee where it was like the, the first ballot like the first ballot was like these and then it whittled down and then it whittled down and then it whittled down so i finally have a top five but it took me longer than i thought to get here because like as I would go through it, I kept being like, no, I like this movie more. And then I was like researching the movies while I was doing the list to refresh my own memory. And well, and it just made me want to watch all of these movies. But two, it may it, it, it was really difficult. And I, I would love to hear your process for putting your list together, too. My process was I wrote down a bunch of things and I'm going to wing it was my process. I have 12 things written down that I could talk about. But I can tell you that those that those 12 things, it's not everything. Like, I don't have the natural on here. I mm. don't have 42 on here. I don't have the babe on here. So there are things that, honest to God, I really do enjoy. Like, Eight Men Out isn't on here. The Pride of the Yankees isn't on here. And... I just... I, it's impossible. Like, I've made this joke many times this week to you there are five Kevin Costner baseball movies that I can add to this list. <laughs> like, I don't think that's true. I don't think Kevin Costner's made five baseball movies, but I, he could have easily. He loves baseball as much as we do. So yeah, it's so, not a conclusive list. We're going to okay. ramble a lot. I that's have a fine. Feeling. That's what movie lists are for. Um, what I have is, so one thing that we did not do was cross check our lists with each other as we did for the music episode. And so to kind of, to in an attempt to counteract that, I also have some trivia and some facts for each of my top five, you know, to, uh, to add to this discussion. Speaking of fun factoids, you had just mentioned um, Pride of the Yankees, which of course starred Gary Cooper as Lou Gehrig. 
in that movie, one of the little facts that I was researching, he, uh, his uniform in real life, everything was backwards because he batted right-handed and Lou Gehrig batted left-handed. So they put him, like he, everything on his jersey and whatever was backwards so they could reverse it in the actual film. Uh, and that like, that like trick of reversing people from lefties to righties was a common theme in my baseball trivia research, my baseball film trivia research. Because it makes sense like that, take like a pitcher, for instance, that's where this came up the most was in pitchers, where if you think about a pitcher's motion, it is essentially mirrored from a lefty to a righty. And the only thing that's different, if you look at them, is like with the position of their uniform. So that was a, that was a common Hollywood uh, Hollywood trick there. That's really, really interesting. Equally interesting. The Oracle of Bacon. Oh, that's the that's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon site. It is. So Kevin Bacon was in JFK with Walter Matthau. Yes. Who was in the life and times of Hank Greenberg, which had Babe Ruth in it. Wow. That did not take long at all. Nope. From Kevin Bacon to Babe Ruth in two steps in two movies. Two movies. Wow. Seems like it should be longer. But Kevin Bacon is immortal, so it doesn't really surprise me. It's true. He's been alive for 747,000 years. All right, let's get into our episode. Let's get into our list. So again, we're going to do similar to what we did last time. Uh, We have our top five. We're going to start at five and go to one and we'll alternate. Uh, Why don't you go first? I didn't put my top five in an order, so I'm just going to start with Moneyball. Oh, that's a good one. Not on my list, but very good. Um, I really like the the math aspect of this film. I, I mean, it's based on a true story. It's about the Oakland Athletics and their GM, Billy Bean, who was saddled with a team who didn't have a big budget, and it was figuring out how to win and compete against teams like the Yankees, who had one player on their team that made as much money as the entire salary of a small ball team. And so he basically hired a man to figure out how to use statistics and computers and math to rewrite the way you win in baseball. And it's, it's a really interesting concept that, that has worked. It's how Boston eventually broke the curse um, a lot of teams have adapted to it since it's actually written from a book that was written by Michael Lewis, who is the same man that wrote an amazing book called the blind side that went on to be a, a great movie too. Oh, I didn't know you wrote that book. Huh? Same, same author, same journalist. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth watching. And if you really get into the concept of it's actually the, the art of this is called uh, sabermetrics. Um, there's a great book called Ahead of the Curve that r- talks about all of the things in baseball that because of tradition we do that are done incorrectly. Yeah, that was I, I really enjoyed that film, not from like a it's not it's not really like a, it doesn't really have a happy ending. Um, no. It's it's very anti I mean, anti Hollywood in that term, in that sense, uh, written by Aaron Sorkin. So like that's a little nice little nugget there. The other thing I thought was interesting is you mentioned that um, that the Red Sox won the World Series a couple of years later and have won uh, again since using these same kinds of of uh, this basically the same math with their team. And that's actually like one of the one of the on screen like end notes in the movie is that Billy Bean was offered the Boston job and he turned it down. Yeah. So I he was stayed really with his team. He stayed the course and. Sadly, Oakland still has not won a World Series. Um, they are were supposed to be really, really good this year. So, unfortunately, Oakland's going to Oakland, and the season is going to be fucked because of this coronavirus thing. And hopefully, they can get things started. I would love to see. I would love to see Oakland win a World Series at some point. I'm glad um, they did not win it the year that we beat them in the wild card game, though. According to Wikipedia, 
They have won nine World Series. Yes, but not under Billy Bean. Oh, okay. That's true. Yeah, Billy uh, Bean has never gotten his World Series. Okay. I, you, all right. Just to clarify, that was what we were talking about. Yeah, they, um, they won World Series during the time that the Bash brothers were there, which was Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. That they did. Uh, they very famously won the 1989 World Series, the uh, the Bay Area Earthquake Series. The Earthquake the Series. Giants. I remember watching that. Uh, here's a little throwback for you. When I was in sixth grade, I took Earth Science because that was with the science class you take in the sixth grade. And my teacher in his classroom had um, like this, I don't even know what to call it. It was like a long horizontal art piece on the wall. And it was just like lines going up and down. And none of us knew what it was. There was no like text on it. There was no labeling on it. There was nothing. Our teacher, I think, was either from the Bay Area or was at least a fan of those teams. What that was, was like a, an artist rendering of like the Richter scale during the World Series of in San Francisco. It was very cool. Uh, okay. Uh, Brad Pitt, also very good in that movie. Fun piece of trivia before we move on. Do you know who played on the team in 1989 when they won the World Series? Billy Bean. Uh, oh, shit. Look at that. How about that? Interesting. Uh, mine, that is interesting. So my number five movie is 61, asterisk, directed by Billy Crystal, starring Barry Pepper and Thomas Jane as Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, respectively. Uh, this was something that, so like I grew up in New York, in the suburbs of New York City, and uh this is, these are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of stories I heard growing up about these, uh, these legendary Yankees, uh, by name and like by reputation. And certainly by the time I was growing up, by the time I was getting into baseball, all they were, I mean, in the Yankees case, all they were, were names in Monument Park, right? Like they, um, were still alive at the time when I was growing up, but it, you know, it wasn't like they were fixtures in the league or anything like that. It was just these, these historical figures. Uh, and so see, watching this film was really fun for me to like put this, the story of this movie is it takes place in 1961. It's the season when Roger Maris beats out, uh, or finally eclipses Babe Ruth's home run record, uh, for, for her most home runs in a single season. Uh, and during this season, there is this professional and personal rivalry between Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. And that's documented in the film as well. Um, and it's a, it's a really like inside look at the two of them and the team and everything that's going on in, um, not just in the, in baseball, but like in New York at that time. Um, there's this great scene in the film. Well, I don't know if it's a great scene. There's a, uh, it depends on how you look at it. There is a scene in the film when if they're at Yankee stadium and a fan in the stands throws a chair at Roger Maris, like, as, so at home, if somebody throws a chair at you, like that's, you know, uh, because Babe Ruth was so beloved in New York and Mickey Mantle was so beloved in New York. And here comes Roger Maris from Kansas city, incidentally, uh, who, you know, to try to eclipse this, this uneclipsable record. Uh, I just, it's just, it's just a really good movie. It's, it's, it gets, it shows like the very personal human side of both of these, of, of both of these guys specifically, but also like it's, there's a lot of stuff in the clubhouse and at their homes and like it, it's, it's as much, away from the field as it is on the field. And that's what I really like about it. I've honestly never seen this film, but I'm going to watch it now. It sounds like something I would enjoy. You're very good at building these lists in a way where I'm like, all right, I have to do this thing that I've never <laughs> done now. So here's my first bit of trivia for today. So the title of the film is 61 with an asterisk. Do you know why there's an asterisk there? I do not know why there's an asterisk there, but I feel like I should know this. You, you should know this, but I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to tell you. So the reason that there is an asterisk here is because during this season in 1961, there, um, it was one of the first seasons um, that, the, that baseball played 162 games. They had increased it from 154 games. And so all the hubbub was Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle both, again, were trying to beat out this home run record. Babe Ruth had hit 60 home runs in 154 games. So that was the mark. And that like this, this actually isn't in any record books at the time, but it was just talked about incessantly that if any one of them had broken the record 
at 155 plus games, then it wouldn't have counted. Be like, oh, that's a, that's a big red mark. You know, oh, he had he had eight whole extra games to break the record. And so in no record books anywhere, even obviously now that 61 mark has long been eclipsed by Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, who I don't think we're supposed to talk about. It's not important, but there was never any actual asterisk. So it's like this. It's like in baseball and a lot of other sports, we talk about the unspoken rules of the sport, those kinds of things. So the asterisk is like the unwritten asterisk in the record books. So that's that's, that's why it's a fun it's a fun little note for the movie title. I love how bitchy sports fans are. We're so particular. <laughs> All right, next on your list. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bull Durham next, and I've I've picked Bull Durham in this spot because you said you know all of the little behind the scene things that happen in baseball. And I think that very few movies capture that in a believable way, like Bull Durham does. Um, the conversations between Kevin Costner's character, Crash Davis, and and the young hotshot pitcher, Nuke, the way that they interact Tim, Tim with Robbins. each other, Tim Robbins, the way that they interact with each other, it's it's the most baseball thing I've ever seen. There is that weird relationship between a pitcher and catcher just there are scenes in this movie that are hilarious i love that this young know-it-all pitcher is trying to show up his veteran catcher because you know he's an egotistical asshole and so kevin costner walks back tells the batter what pitch he's about to call him lets him go yard on him walks back up to the pitcher's mound and you know nuke is like dude that guy teed off on it like he knew it was coming and kevin costner's just like he did i told him (laughs) and it's just this amazing story about passing on the reins from a veteran to a rookie and i like it it's great yeah that's such a great movie i mean kevin costner so good in that movie um Susan Sarandon too, of course. I love Tim. Rob- I just love how how stupid Tim Robbins is in that movie. Yeah, like I, it's just so like it's so he's so endearingly dumb. Uh, sports Illustrated ranked it as the number one greatest sports movie of all time. Wow. Okay. It's 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 pretty good. It's pretty good. Not gonna lie. Um. Okay. My number four movie is A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own is a movie I love very, very much, um, starring, of course, Gina Davis and everybody else in the world and Tom Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks was a featured player in our last movie list, so I thought it was only appropriate that Tom Hanks would again make an appearance here in talking about baseball movies. Um, A League of Their Own, if you have never seen this movie, first of all, you have to go and watch this movie immediately. It is, of course, based on a real thing. It's called the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Thank you very much. And it's just, it's just this great story. So during World War II, uh, there was a very real thing where um, uh, young men were off in Europe fighting the war and couldn't stay home playing baseball. And so this league was put together so that there would be sports, that there would be baseball. And it's just such a great story. Tom Hanks, again, plays, he's supposed to play like the, uh, like an amalgamation of a couple of real life characters. Um, Just like this washed up ball player ends up being their coach. And it's just, it's just like, heartwarming and wonderful and sad and heartbreaking at the same time. There's the, the scene when uh, the army guys show up to inform one of them that their husband has died. It's just breaks your heart in those moments, but like, it's just such a great movie. And um, at the end of the movie, they have this great scene at Cooperstown at the baseball hall of fame where I have been, I, I assume you have been as well. And you can see, you can see everything that they like the whole exhibit, everything that they've put up is, is actually there. It's just, it's just great. I love it so much. It's a pretty amazing movie. It's also on my list. I, I love this film. It's, I mean, I'm not much for rankings or ratings, but like, it's so good that like a league of their own was selected for the, the Uni- United States national film registry by the library of Congress, because they believed it was culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Um, I if if I had to rank my films, I would probably rank League of Their Own my number one baseball film. I I really do love it. 
I have had the opportunity twice by going to all-star games and going to fan fest. They have brought out some of these girls and I've gotten to have conversations mm. with them. And That's it's cool. really, really interesting to hear them talk about their experiences. It's, it's such a cool, it's such a cool concept that these, these women replaced men's baseball and were, I mean, it started out really slow it was an upstart thing, but by the end it was beloved. And even after the men came back, the league did survive. I think, I think 10 years after what they thought would be. Yeah, it was, it folded in 1954 after starting in 1943. So, you know, over, it says over 600 women got to play. And in 1948, attendance peaked at 900,000 people watch these girls play. Wow. So that's, that's a amazing. pretty significant number. I have three fun pieces of trivia about this film. Uh, okay, the first cool. in a cl- in a case of classic Hollywood sexism, all of the actresses had to prove that they could play baseball when they were auditioning for this movie. So interesting. Uh, unlike Thomas Jane in 61, who would never even touched a baseball before. He's like, yeah, he's going to be the lead in this movie. All of the actresses in League of Their Own had to prove that they could play baseball. That's cool. That's cool um, to know that Madonna can steal second. Yeah. This movie is infinitely quotable. Of course, there's no crying in baseball. It's just like this. It just lives beyond it. It was literally the title of the second episode of our podcast. It, According to the American Film Institute, the number 54 movie quote of all time. And my third fun piece of trivia Marissa Tomei filmed an audition tape for this movie while she and, and you get this. So like if it, obviously she didn't, she wasn't in the movie, but I think you could imagine, like try to picture Marissa Tomei in this movie. Okay. Now I'm going to take it a step further. She was on the set of my cousin Vinny and she and Joe Pesci together, put together an audition tape with her being coached by him as the tape. I want to see this tape. Me too. Desperately. I desperately want to see this tape. That sounds uh, amazing. Yeah. In the end, Penny Marshall, the director, decided that it was she, she wasn't quite a good fit for the film. But oh, man, God, what I wouldn't do to see that tape. I that want to see Joe incredible. Pesci like Joe Pesci as a baseball coach. I would. Ah, God, I would kill to see that. I would have killed to have Joe Pesci be my baseball coach. <laughs> OK, what's next for you? Well, let me cross out a league of their own because we nailed that one. (laughs) I suspect that this is going to be the second one that we both have on because it's just the most iconic baseball film you can possibly name. And that's Field of Dreams. So Field of Dreams is the number one film on my list. It's it's an amazing film. I don't want to interrupt you. Well, the thing about Field of Dreams that is incredible for me is just the story behind it. It's such a non-traditional baseball movie and it's i i it's gonna be hard to explain it without spoilers but i mean at this point the film's been out since 1989 so if i'm spoiling this film for you that's your fault sorry yeah um but it's based on a wp Kinsella novel called shoeless joe and so the legend of shoeless joe was that he well, let's start with his nickname. He got his nickname. He got a new pair of shoes and he went out and he was playing a baseball game. The shoes hurt his feet. So he played at least half of the game barefoot. He just, he finished his baseball game in his socks, which by itself is incredible. Um, Shoeless Joe had the potential to be one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He was associated with the 1919 Black Sox scandal, which essentially the the team threw the World Series. They lost game shaved points, and the World Series was lost so that they could get paid extra money. Um, the thing about it is they never proved, and it was almost impossible to prove that that Shoeless Joe was involved. He his statistics in that series are so incredible that it's almost impossible to believe that he was involved. But they banned 
everyone from that team from baseball for life. And so the concept of the movie is that a while walking through a cornfield one day, um, Ray Casella hears a ghostly voice in the wind whisper, if you build it, he will come. And for a while, you don't know what the hell this ghost is talking about. It's just, this ghost is drunk at a bar. And it turns out- As ghosts are wont to do. As ghosts often are. It turns out that what is wanted was for this ball field to be played. So- Ray plows over his cornfield, which is insane because they're in Iowa and he builds a ball field and these ghost baseball players come out and play ball. And I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to ruin the the ending because it's going to make you cry if you have a heart at all. Um, But the cool thing about this film is when they built the set, they didn't tear it down. So you can literally still go to Iowa and the Field of Dreams house and the Field of Dreams field is still there. And so you can go play catch on the field. And this season, another thing that coronavirus has ruined is they were supposed to play a baseball series between, I believe, the Yankees and the White Sox. But I yep, may be that's wrong correct. about the I White was looking, Sox. Nope, you're right. They were going to play at this field. Well, it was technically going to be a field off of this field because the field is not a regulation field. But they were going to play at this site. And it was going to be really, really interesting to watch. Um, this is also a pretty quotable field. The book is really good too. If you haven't read it, um, it's, it's worth seeing. It's, it's also in the library of Congress as one of the sports films that they've saved historically, but I think it is the most baseball thing you can possibly watch. Oh, it's definitely up there. I mean, I, I can't even begin to try and count how many times I've seen this movie. It's just so good. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's good in spite of being a baseball movie. It is a great all-time movie, and it is also a great baseball movie. Uh, there are so many things that I love about it. I love James Earl Jones as the cranky old man, uh, the, the, the journalist, writer who just wants to be left alone. He's just Archibald so good. Archibald Moonlight Graham. Speaking of Archibald Moonlight Graham, who was a real person, by the way, and uh, kind of made famous by this movie, Burt Lancaster in the movie, he plays old Doc. He plays old Moonlight Graham. This was his last film role. So legendary actor, this is his last role. When he showed up on the set, Timothy Busfield, who plays Ray, our main character's brother-in-law, he was just hanging out. And Burt Lancaster was like, hey, can you get me some coffee? And he was just like running errands for Burt Lancaster because he didn't know he was in the film. So like Timothy Busfield is just like a mensch. He's like, yes, Mr. Lancaster, whatever you need, sir. Yes, sir. Just love that. That's amazing. Um, I have, I am clicking the wrong things. I have uh, some other fun trivia about this movie. Um, You mentioned the quote, of course. It is the number 39 quote on the American Film Institute's top 100 quotes of all time. Uh, Speaking of Burt Lancaster, um, Jimmy Stewart was originally considered for that role of old Moonlight Graham, which would have been very interesting. Um, He had, he was, uh, he hadn't acted, he hadn't been on film in a long time by that, by the time this movie came out, but, uh, but Burt Lancaster is great in this movie. Uh, it's just, it's just so good. Um, the Terrence Mann character was transformed from J.D. Salinger in the novel to the film. Um, J.D. Salinger, of course, famously reclusive, uh, I think threatened to sue the movie studio if they used him, if they used his name um, yeah. in, in the, uh, in the movie. So of course they, they changed the character to this writer, Terrence Mann. It's just so good. And like, it's, it's also very, like, it is a very small movie in that it is very intimate. It's about this one family, about Ray and his wife and their daughter. Um, and like this crazy thing that they do when it's absolutely insane to, to plow over their field. Uh, and like, it doesn't, it doesn't get much bigger than that, right? Like they go, there's this whole road trip in the movie, right? To go to Boston, to get Terrence Mann uh, and this whole thing. So like, there's, there's parts of it that take place outside of Iowa and outside of their farm. But for the most part, most of the film was right there. And it's just, it's just really, 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 really good. Okay. I mean, it was, it was nominated by the Academy Awards for best adapted screenplay, best original score and for best picture. So it's that level of a sports film that it was, it was nominated for best picture. 
It did not win. I don't Sadly. actually know what won that year, but. Oh, well, now we're so going to find cool. out. Now Thanks we're going to find out. I'll Google it while you talk about your next film. Okay. The next film on my list. Uh, sorry, I, got, I beat you there. Rain Man won Best Picture in 1989. There it is. That's deserving. Um, okay. This is not a podcast about Rain Man. It is a podcast about baseball movies. The next film on my list is 42, the Jackie Robinson story. Um, this was, I think it's just, I think it's just like a very important movie. Again, not just an important baseball movie, but an important movie in general about Jackie Robinson, the first black ball player in the major leagues and everything that he had to go through that the Brooklyn Dodgers went through, that his family went through um, of getting to that point. Uh, I think like this was Chadwick Boseman plays Jackie Robinson in this movie long before he uh, donned the, the claws, the mask, long before he was Black Panther. He's, he's great. He's a very good actor. Excellent in this film. And it's, it definitely, it doesn't shy away from, um, again, I wasn't there in 1940. I wasn't there. Um, but it definitely doesn't shy away from the, like the real life, the real life, uh, like drama and, uh, kind of terror that the Robinson family went through when all of a sudden they were thrust into the spotlight. When, when this film came out, it, one of the screenings for this film was actually in Kansas City because Jackie Robinson, before coming to the Dodgers, was a Kansas City monarch. So they made sure to give the title one of the screens. It was really cool because Harrison Ford came to the screening and, and Chadwick was there. And it was really interesting because they brought back a bunch of the... Um, the old Negro League players because a really interesting fact about Kansas City is the Negro League Baseball Museum is there. So there is a lot of historical ties to the old Negro League in Kansas City. And it's it's really interesting. We have one of the most charismatic had, he's he's passed on since, but one of the most charismatic ambassadors of Negro League baseball, Buck O'Neill was a Kansas City resident and would come to every Royals game and sit in the Buck O'Neill seat. It's nice to have a seat in a stadium that has your name on it. Um, <laughs> I bet. But he was, he was the nicest man. You could like approach him and be like, hey, and he's like, hey, and he would like sit there and tell you stories and talk to you. And it was cool to watch this come through a city that I had lived in and what a big deal this film was. It wasn't in my top five, but I do. I love this film. A couple of fun pieces of trivia for you. You had mentioned Harrison Ford in the film. He plays Branch Rickey, the, the executive of the Brooklyn Dodgers who like kind of engineers this whole thing. Uh, originally that role was intended for Robert Redford, which I think also would have been very good. But Harrison Ford is again, is excellent in that movie. In that I movie. may be wrong, but Robert Redford with the exception of the film that everybody knows him for. I think he was in, no, I'm wrong. That was Clint Eastwood that's in trouble with Kerr, the curve, isn't it? Yes, that All is. Right. Fine. <laughs> My other fun piece of trivia. Uh, this film premiered on April 12th of, hang on, I have the year, 2013. Um, April 15th is Jackie Robinson Day in major league baseball. So like on that day, every year, everybody wears the number 42 because that's the number that he wore. Um, that is another sad thing that we have lost due to the coronavirus. Um, that would have been last week, um, in, uh, across the league, everybody wearing the number 42. It's always like a, you know, it's, it is like a bittersweet thing. That's something like you have to go through this, like this whole life story to get remembered and get immortalized in this way. But it's always a nice it's always a nice and necessary reminder every year, every April 15th. Something that was really cool was Major League Baseball still on their own made sure to honor it this year. Like a lot of the players came together on social media and still made sure to to celebrate because it's such it's such an important thing. All right. What is the next one on your list? So the last one on my top five is For Love of the Game, which for those keeping score is my third Kevin Costner film on my <laughs> top five list. Um, for Love of the Game is a really interesting baseball movie. 
because it it kind of bounces back and forth from one game and also this pitcher's entire life. So it is showing him from a rookie year all the way up in the flashbacks going through both his career and a relationship that he had with Kelly Preston throughout his career and how baseball affected that relationship and the ups and downs from it. The cast of this is great. It has John C. Riley in it as the catcher. It has Jenna Malone in it, like baby Jenna Malone. Like I think pre-saved Jenna Malone. Um, it's really good. It's kind of a rom-com, but like there's not a lot of comedy in it. It's a really good emotional film. It captures baseball really well. It, it captures an aging pitcher really well and how he's just holding on to just one more day in his career. Um, the thing that I find to be one of the most interesting facts, this film is directed by Sam Raimi who like, oh, you I didn't know never that. think that Sam Raimi of evil dead fame and of Spider-Man fame would huh. make it soon, soon to be the rom-com. Soon to be the uh, Doctor Strange sequel is going to be directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah, but yeah, wow, I did not know that. It's it's really really interesting. I I had fallen in love and seen this movie ten times probably before I realized that it was a Sam Raimi film. It's it's a really interesting movie. Vince Scully does the the play by play, which for those of you that don't know. Vin Scully. Vin Scully was the Dodgers historic play-by-play announcer. And if you've never heard Vin Scully announce a game, just listen to any Vin Scully game. He is the best of the best. He's his voice is golden. He deserves his spot in the Hall of Fame. Just absolutely beautiful announcer. Speaking of Vin Scully um, and his incredible broadcasting voice. So there is, he called uh, Sandy Koufax's, he called a perfect game of Sandy Koufax's uh, for the, this was the, of course, the LA Dodgers at the time. That call is in the Hall of Fame. Like that tape is in the Hall of Fame. It's just like this amazing thing. Um, And it's always, that's, I, baseball is different in this way where there are announcers, there are play-by-play guys that are so intrinsically tied to baseball um, I'm thinking of like John Sterling in New York, of course, the longtime Yankees broadcaster of uh, Vince Scully. Um, one of the in one of the films, of course, I can't remember because it's all blurring together now. The um, there's like a legendary L.A. Angels broadcaster uh, whose whose voice is in ends up being in one of the films. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about, uh, I'll, I'll I, this will be a little bit teased. The play by play announcer also is is uh, a key, a key part of it. But it's just like. Unlike, you know, unlike other sports, I mean, there are certainly some where the announcer is is so closely tied to the team and the fans. Um, baseball is baseball is something else in that regard. Well, two points on what you just said. One, I know exactly what film you're talking about based on what you just <laughs> said. But two, Danny Matthews has been the Kansas City Royals play-by-play caller since the very first pitch in 1969. We have had the same announcer. Wow. The entire time that we've been a team. That's amazing. Um, this is actually a movie I have not seen. Uh, I do. I do. I'm quite a fan of Mr. Costner, but I actually have not seen this one. So I will have to put this on my to watch list. It's good. Um, all right. You have gone through your list. I have gone through all of mine. Sans one, which is technically number two, but it's going to be the last one, obviously, because we were talking about Field of Dreams. And that is Major League. It's on my standby list. I the love 1989 this film. film starring Charlie Sheen and Corbin Burnson and just this. Okay. Um, this, this, this is a very, this is a movie that's very close to my heart. Uh, when I was growing up, um, I went to baseball summer camp. And so what that was is uh, my parents would just drop me off and I would just play baseball all day for the entire summer. And then the summer would be over and then I would go back to school. And that's what I did for like several, at least two or three years. I think it was three or four years of my childhood when I was growing up. And 
Um, so you can imagine that uh, summertime in New York, sometimes it rains and you can't play baseball. And so what we would do is they would bus all the kids to one of the, there was like a local college nearby. I think, I don't know if it was a community, whatever. There was a local college nearby where they would just bus all the kids to, and they would just show us movies all day. And the one of the movies that we would watch all the time was Major League. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Um, why are these adults showing a bunch of children uh, rated our movie? Well, a couple of reasons. One, the movie is fantastic. <clears throat> Two, it's hilarious. And three, the adults were not much older than we are. So at camp, right, think of camp as run by counselors. The counselors at the baseball camp were all uh, minor league baseball players. So they were not much older than we were like as teenage, as like preteens. I mean, this is like 10, 11, 12, 13, I think that I went to this baseball camp. Um, so yeah, not much older than we were. I mean, like maybe 10 years, but you know what I, you know what I mean? But like, so I, that's where my memories of this movie start. And certainly like as an 11 year old, you're not going to understand everything that's going on in this movie, but it's just as I've gotten older and the more I have rewatched it, just the more, the more of a fondness I have for it. It was like in the same vein of bad news bears in the longest yard as these like, uh, football uh, movies about football, but that are also very much not about football. And with bad news bears again, it's just like this hilarious movie with Jack lemon. Uh, that was, this was the baseball bad news bears essentially. Um, and more ways than one, but it's just so good. And like the, it's just a classic. It is a classic movie. Did you just say that Major League was the baseball Bad News Bears? Yeah, they play baseball in that movie. I thought it was it, I in my whole in my whole in my head. There, it's a football. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to edit this out. I think it's important that I'm wrong, and I remain wronged on the podcast. I was just intrigued. But bad I was news, like, huh. I could have sw- I You know, the Bears. The, you know what? It's not important. I it was think clearly a baseball you, movie. I think that you're thinking of the movie Little Giants. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. Yep. Yep. I like that's that exactly film what I'm thinking of. That's a good film too. Uh, this is not a podcast about football movies. It is a podcast about baseball movies. Even when I don't remember the movie I'm talking about is a baseball movie. I'm going to cross out right here, Major League. Yeah. And now I'm also going to cross out Bad News Bears <laughs> because we've talked about both of them. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm going to get over my embarrassment of not remembering the sport they played in that movie. I think um, it's okay. I have, I have a couple of pieces of fun trivia for you about major league. Well, I feel the like first, Oh, oh I yes. got you. Go ahead. I, you said major league and I thought the league and not the oh, movie. Okay. So apologies <laughs> for jumping the gun nope. there. You know what? It's a little, we're playing a little loosey goosey with the rules today. It's okay. It's a Saturday. <laughs> Here's my fun trivia on Major League. The first is that this was the film debut of Neil Flynn, the uh, the actor who, of course, plays the janitor on Scrubs. His, yes. According to IMDb, his credit in the movie is as Longshoreman. So I'll have to like rewatch it to figure out where he is. Um, I'm sure one of the people in the beginning or the middle or the end who are He's griping one, about the Indians sucking. He is one of the people in the beginning griping about how bad they suck. Uh, number two that Charlie Sheen in an interview with sports illustrated said that he took steroids for this movie, which again, I, it came out like in 1989. That's completely believable that that would have happened. I am not shocked. Uh, my third piece of trivia. So the film starts out with uh, this woman, Rachel Phelps, who's the owner of the team, the owner of the Cleveland Indians. Um, and she wants to move the team to Florida where there was not a team at the time. So it was a little, um, uh, it was a little prescient in that regard. There obviously are now two teams in Florida <clears throat> um, where there was not a team. And the whole idea is that she wants the team to, again, like just throw in the towel uh, so that to lose enough so that they could sell it. Yes. The original, the original end. So the, it ends with um, the team ends up being very successful. And like the final scene, one of the final scenes, again, if you haven't seen this movie, it's been out for 30 years. You got to go watch this movie. Uh, is her just being like really pissed off in her, the, in the owner's suite about how well the team is doing. Um, the original ending apparently is her admitting to the team that 
it's been all, it's all been an act. And that what she was doing was on purpose to rile them up and to like get them motivated. And that audience was like, nah, this is terrible. Go back to the, go back to the other one. And that's, that's, that's what they did, which I think was the right choice. Another piece of trivia. This movie was made into a video game for the NES that was only available in Japan. But if you search eBay, wow, I did not know that you might be able to find a major league, the movie NES cartridge. Wow. Okay. We're going to have to go find that. Um, so, so that, so that's our list. Those are our combined lists. We then have, we have some, uh, extra honorable mentions. Do you have any left in your list? Cause I think I might've covered them. Well, so far, neither of us has mentioned the Sandlot, which I think this, is going to get us both run right out of the baseball. It's on my list. Like you out there in podcast land, you can't see my face right now, but I'm pointing right here where I have it on my list. The Sandlot parentheses, 1993. It's, it's there. a great film. What I think is interesting. So another film I have on my honorable mention list is rookie of the year, which yes. is also lo- lovely. Um, that, that takes place in an era where the Cubs are terrible. And so like that, that's also really funny. Um, cause now they're not so terrible. What still, I, here's, here, still kind of terrible. <laughs> here's what I think is interesting. Field of dreams and major in major league both came out in 1989. The Sandlot and rookie of the year both came out in 1993. We have this like synchronicity of these great baseball movies coming out at the same time. I thought that was really fun. Like a fun little thing. What year did angels in the outfield come out? Cause I think it was very similar too. Oh, let's find out. Um, while I'm looking Brown. that up. Angels in the outfield. While I'm looking that up. 1994. Uh, came out in 1994. Yeah. Look at that. We both had it. Um, the two other movies on my honorable mention list. One was of course, Bull Durham. The other was Trouble with the Curve with Clint Eastwood and Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake. I like that. I don't know. There's something about, that's a movie that like, first of all, I just love Amy Adams. She's fantastic. I like whenever Justin Timberlake acts. I like him as an actor. I think he's really interesting. (laughs) Um, And Clint Eastwood, all you you have to tell Clint Eastwood is go and stand in front of this camera and be yourself. And except this time, talk about baseball. Go be angry and talk about the split fingered curveball. Yeah, like it's I love that. Again, this is I think this is also a very uniquely baseball thing where you have like these baseball lifers that are ancient. And in this case, Clint Eastwood's character is a scout. Um, and I'm I, I am sure that there are men of Clint Eastwood's age who are acting as scouts right now in Major League Baseball. And it's like this is one of those things where. You just kind of sit in the bleachers and eat your peanuts and write your notes with your radar gun. And, you know, and like, that's, I mean, you're doing other things too, but you know, that that's, that's, that, that could be a scout. That's literally I, my, it's my dream job. <laughs> what like I find, okay. Pay this, me to watch baseball. I'm going to, this is going to take a turn for a second here. Oh God. Um, I was debating whether or not to put this movie on my list at all, because like, with Clint Eastwood, you, you have to, you have to ask yourself the question of like, whether you, whether you can separate the art from the artist. Yeah. And so like Clint Eastwood famously conservative in his views, and that's fine. I'm not saying you can't have those views. I'm just saying like the whole, there, there, there are times when I don't, when I don't want that, when I just want the art and I don't want the background of the artist. And there are times when I do, and like, it's just hard. I don't know. For me personally, I have a lot of trouble separating those two things. I can uh, not see to that. say that I always go one way or the other, you know? I think in fairness, Charlie Sheen is on your list and he is a crazy person. So that is a hundred percent true, both being a crazy person and on my list. And like, I, you know what, in fairness, I didn't think about that when I put major league on my list. I just automatically put major league on my list. So I think I know, it's Char- one of those things. I, it's just, it's Charlie Sheen's best role in my opinion though. He is hilarious in that movie. Yeah. Uh, do you have any others did we, uh, that, we, that we missed that we left off? I mean, we don't have to talk about it, but I do think The Natural needs to be on this list. It's such a sure. boring fucking film, but <laughs> it is it is good. Um, and then I added, there are two ESPN documentaries that I think everyone should watch from the 30 for 30 series. And that okay. is Jordan Rides the Bus, which is about Jordan's 
deep dive into minor league baseball. It's incredible. And then they did one on Bo Jackson called Bo Knows. And it's mm-hmm. really, really interesting. Two other documentaries for people that love baseball that you should watch. You should watch No No. It is about a no hitter. Doc Ellis in, I don't remember the year. I'm going to try to find it while we talk. Um, Doc Ellis threw a no hitter under the influence of LSD. And so (laughs) it is the account of him having no idea what is going on during this game. It's called No No, a documentary. And they spell documentary D-O-C-K like his last name. It's really interesting. It was very good. And people should watch the battered bastards of baseball. It's about a minor league baseball team in Oregon and just all of the shenanigans that went down with that team. Wow. Um, you're in, in talking about, uh, in talking about no, no, uh, that reminds me of, uh, the pitcher, David Wells, who pitched for the Yankees and for the Tigers who threw, um, I think it was a perfect game or a no hitter. I'm trying to Google as I'm talking at the same time, but famously drunk and high while doing so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're bored and still in quarantine, Google <laughs> David Wells man cave. Oh God. He has as much like he's got his own personal Cooperstown in his basement. It's pretty amazing. Like he wow. has a suit, just a suit that Babe Ruth wore. Like, you know, just casual shit in your basement. Just Babe Ruth I, leisure suit. I can confirm. I have Googled it. I am looking at it literally right now. Uh, that's wow. That's something. How, how insane is that? That's crazy. Okay. I have well, this has more been a add. lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I think the only thing better if uh, would be if we could actually watch some baseball or even go and see some baseball right now. It's fine. ESPN's going to start broadcasting Korean baseball soon. Oh, well, there you go. This has been a lot of fun. Um, if you have enjoyed this episode as much as we have recording it, let us know what your favorite baseball movies are, um, what we missed, uh, if you agreed with us, if you disagreed with us, if you want to make fun of me for thinking in my head that Bad News Bears was a football movie and replacing it in my brain with Little Giants, that's fine too. Whatever you got to do. I- I'm, I'm open to the criticism. I accept it. I'll take all the mail on that one. If you have enjoyed this show, we would love it if you please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or a follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you happen to listen. If you would like to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast, where you can get exclusive episodes and so much more. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman, and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me, and it is produced by Ryland James. The podcast's intro music is Gemini by Alki, and the song you're hearing right now in the background is called Cautious by Emma Rosa. Both appear on the Untitled Josh cast with permission from the artists. This is the part of the credits where we would list all of the Patreon producers at the $25 level or above. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled Josh cast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Oh, I got to be cautious.